Welcome to the first trouble of the Foul Trouble podcast. We don't plan on boring you guys with too many introductions, but I am James from Two Hype, otherwise known as Jidel. I'm Patrick Stewart. And today we're going to be talking Wemby, other thoughts from the preseason, which teams are pretenders and contenders, and wrapping up with a little best take, worst take. Let's jump into it. How you feeling, Pat? I'm feeling good. I mean, basketball's back, so what What else could I ask for? Um, I had a pretty good weekend. What about you, my man? I had a pretty good weekend. I'm, I'm feeling kind of like Thomas Bryant when he got dunked on by Wembenyama. You know, like, we're about to throw the podcast out there. I'm getting a little afraid, a little nervous, but, yeah, let's just get into it. Right off the top, who else, who has been the story of preseason NBA more than Victor Wembenyama? I just want to hear what what takes you have what what are your first impressions Victor Victor looks absolutely amazing when I'm watching I'm always I feel like looking at the negatives and with Victor I noticed a couple things that I didn't like but overall I absolutely loved it a couple things I was like oh he's shooting that mid-range shot like five seconds into the shot clock oh it went in oh he did it again oh it went in again so it's kind of hard to even look at any negatives with Victor just because he is so talented he's so big he's such a defensive force I'm like noting like, okay, they're playing him with another center. He's starting on Haywood Highsmith. Okay. Oh, he just blocked Haywood Highsmith. Oh, he just ran the rank. Oh, he just got a dunk. I think the first thing that I was I was really surprised by is I watched those Mets 92 versus G League Ignite game. So I'd seen a little like full game action of Wemby previous to this NBA action. But he's he's not a center. No, he's, he's not a center. He's a seven four, just like predatory wing. Yeah. Which is absolutely just mind-boggling that I can't even wrap my head around. Yeah, I think my big concern with him coming into his rookie year was really more about the guard play of the Spurs. And I'm still a little concerned about that. I know Popovich said they land like only one play for him, like in both preseason games. But like I do feel like a lot of Spurs sets are starting with him on that like right kind of corner. And it's like, all right, Victor, find a way to get involved. And I'm kind of like pop. Just let's get the ball to Victor even yeah. more. Just keep feeding him. Just keep going. I've got, okay, I've got one Wemby take, and I've got one Wemby prediction for okay. this season. My, my Wemby take is that Victor Wembenyama is going to be, if not, he already is the Shohei Otani of the NBA. Okay, like just and, a dominant two-way. Let, let me unpack this. So the, the two most crucial elements to like baseball you know are starting pitching and power hitting that's what Shohei is that's we've never really seen someone with that combo before and so that's why Shohei is just such like a remarkable superstar in the MLB with Wemby in my opinion the two most important things that a basketball player can offer are amazing rim protection which mm. i mean the dude's seven foot Has four it in spades. he's got it in spades and then off the dribble creation which i was really surprised that he's such a good distributor to go along with like the dribble pull-up game yeah that's what kind of blows my mind again kind of going back to like oh you know i'm gonna write down little nitpicky things but it's like Early shot clock, step back mid-range, which, like, for most players, you're like, why? But then, Victor, it just drained it. And yeah. I'm like... I mean, he's looking down at the hoop. Yeah, <laughs> and it looks good. That's the thing with his shot. It doesn't look, like, flat. It's a good-looking jump shot. Absolutely. And are, are you ready for my prediction? Yeah. Victor Wembenyama is going to be an all-star starter this season. 
That is my take because this dude is, we've never seen anything like him before. Every single game, we've had two preseason games and how many viral highlights has he had? Like four? Like 20. <laughs> so that, that's going to be coming in every game. He's going to be playing more and more minutes and it's a fan vote. You know, how did Andrew Wiggins become a all-star starter? Just by being associated with the, the right Warriors, people yeah. and, and trending in the right direction. Well, so that that's my prediction. I will take a penalty if it doesn't come true, but I'm s- putting my flag in the ground. Victor Wembenyama in his rookie season is going to be an all-star starter. So maybe even an all-NBA third team then. I could see that. Yeah, absolutely. So th- to something that could go to your case here, guess who the Mavericks open the season against on national television? The Mavericks? Do they open up against the they Spurs? They open up against the Spurs. And we're going to touch on the Mavs. You know what? Let's touch on the Mavs because it's a good segue. Their bigs are a disaster. It's, it's, so game one could be a Victor showcase. Yeah, I, I could totally see that. I Do you think they're going to end up starting lively? For for anyone that hasn't watched any, do, Mavericks. Di- <laughs> dove into Mavericks preseason basketball for all three games so far. They've been starting their rookie center out of Duke, Derek Lively, and it's been rough. Yeah, so I've done the Mavericks deep dive. Um, so all three of their games have been international. Two games in Abu Dhabi versus the Timberwolves, which that might be the weirdest matchup location combo of teams and locations we've ever seen. Then they play Real Madrid, Luca's old team in Spain. They lose that game, by the way. They're 0-3 in the preseason. The Mavericks look like a disaster. Yeah, I, do you have any comment for the uh, in the second Timberwolves game, Rudy Gobert posterizing Derek Lively underneath underneath the basket? Yeah, Lively is really thin. He's going to he's going to need to fill out because yeah. right now, like in that Timberwolves game, like both Towns and Gobert were just like bullying him. I wasn't able to catch the Real Madrid game. We just we didn't have it on YouTube TV. Um, but yeah, I'm a little confused. I don't think Dwight Powell is some, you know, amazing center. It's pretty much as average as it gets when it comes to NBA centers. Short, around 6'10", but he's their sh- best option. Surely they're going to be starting him, right? Yeah, yeah, you have to. Derek Lively is not ready to start. I was really surprised that they started Omax Prosper in the first game as well. He seems really far up from being ready, and if I'm a Mavericks fan right now, I'm terrified. Yeah, I'm kind of terrified, too, because I feel like with Luka and Kyrie as well, you really want like a more explosive dive big man, which they don't totally have on the roster. But if anything, Powell is more of that than Lively is at this stage. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Luka is he's just he has such an amazing control of the game that I think on a play by play basis, he could probably make Derek Lively look okay, But on defense, I just. I, I'm generally out on all rookie bigs be, for a team that has playoff aspirations. aspirations. Or, I mean, realistically, the Mavericks should have championship aspirations, aspirations. with Luka. So this is where I'm at with the Mavericks. There's like a part of me that's like, I feel like this is the disaster. I watched the end of the last regular season. I'm getting disaster vibes. And then part of me is like, okay, they played in Abu Dhabi in Spain. Yeah. Are they, are we overreacting? Um, Potentially. <laughs> it is the preseason, and throughout it all, Luca has looked awesome. Yeah. But for preseason games, the one thing that you can take away is depth. If mm-hmm. you get blown out in the second half of preseason games, that means your depth isn't where it needs to be, and I think that's 
irrefutable with the Mavericks right now. Yeah, they're also just a small team. Like a lot of their best players are kind of around that like six five range. Like Grant Williams. I like Grant Williams. He's undersized as a four. Yeah, well, defensively, because they don't have to be a small team. Luca's giant yeah, is Luka's ba- giant. basically but, your you know, point guard. Kyrie's like 6'3". Seth Curry's on the short side. Hardaway's probably around 6'5". Like, it's just not a big team. So it has a lot of defensive deficiencies inherently. And then comboing it with Lively and Powell is just... Yeah, it's, it's not I, where you want to be. I think this team is going to finish like 26, 27 in defensive efficiency. Yeah, and in the Western Conference of 2023-2024 is the strategy of we're just going to outscore the other team. Is that a real strategy? I just think that's really hard to pull off when some of the other teams include the Suns, the yeah. Nuggets, the Lakers, <laughs> like, the Lakers, like I don't the know. The Warriors. Yeah, I just I don't know. I feel like Luka is going to, you know, give this team a high floor, but I'm really low on their ceiling compared to what I thought it could be earlier in the offseason. Yeah, I I'm right there with you and and I'm worried about them making the playoffs again there's no given in this western conference that you can just eke by with terrible defense and make the playoffs but at least you know at the very least hopefully we get a nice maybe seven seed mavs two seed suns first round series i would love that that would be pretty sick i'm always for that i am so excited for their christmas game but anyways Let's not talk about the Christmas game matchup <laughs> opponent versus the Suns. Let's talk about who the Suns are going to play in the first game of the season. Golden State Warriors, CP3 is on the court. It looks so wrong for him to be in Golden State Warriors colors. What were your first takeaways on CP3's Golden State so we, we texted about this, but it took me about a whole quarter and a half before I realized Draymond wasn't on the court for the Warriors in the preseason game I was watching. And the reason it took me so long was because I realized that Chris Paul was in the Draymond role. Mm-hmm. There's like one possession where Steph bounces it to Chris Paul. He runs like off a little screen into the wing and then immediately Chris Paul pegs it right back to him. And I was like, wow, Chris Paul looks great on the Warriors. He's really fitting into the system. I was like, wait, he's doing the Draymond role as a guard. Which, like, what does it look like when him and Draymond are on the court together? Because in the Lakers game, LeBron was guarding Chris Paul most of the game. And most of the game, he gave him the, like, oh, yeah, Chris Paul can't really shoot threes anymore treatment. I'm just going to guard, like, 15 feet off him and just not respect the spacing. Yeah, that, that's been my biggest worry for the Warriors ever since they made the Chris Paul move. I think the Chris Paul move for the Warriors greatly raises their floor because forever the Warriors' biggest Achilles heel has been their turnovers, and Chris Paul's a guy that's just never going to turn the ball over. I think it's really interesting after watching Draymond, obviously, in his role for so long, and the Warriors' offense effectively being, like, inside out. Now it's just flipped the other way, outside in. But, I mean, the shooting is, it's a real thing. Because Draymond doesn't shoot. Chris Paul hates to shoot. That was kind of the Suns' whole failure point last season against the Nuggets. Looney doesn't shoot. Kaminga, I think, who has looked awesome. He's averaging like 26 points a game in the preseason so far. He's their big swing guy, in my opinion. Last season, he shot 37% from three. His rookie year, he shot 33% from three. Which Kaminga are we going to get? I feel like Kaminga probably settles into that like 35 league average shooter. And I feel like, you know, Chris Paul, looking back at it, he's at 31% two years ago, 37% last year. So he's not 
a bad three-point shooter, but he is a reluctant three-point shooter because yeah. he is used to being the primary initiator. He's not used to shooting off the catch that much. Yeah, exactly. And he's not going to get the best looks because he's playing hypothetically he's playing with two guys that are already spacing concerns and so if we're talking about the warriors like playoff rotation obviously we've got steph obviously we've got clay draymond looney as it stands right now chris wiggins and then i would say kaminga and gary payton and moody as well maybe and moody and, and gary payton is a huge shooting oh, cool. question Kaminga is a huge shooting question. So it's for the first time in the Warriors' reign, yeah. shooting is the big question mark and defense, of course. The one thing they do have in regards to shooting, though, is just Steph's movement and off-ball pressure kind of seems to alleviate other shooting issues. Because even last year, they are playing Draymond and Looney together, and it, it works. It Absolutely. just works because of Steph and Clay. So I think... We might be overrating shooting issues with this team, but I am a little confused where CP3 fits into the grand scheme because I'm not sure if I love the CP3 Steph defensively, even though I think both of them are actually... CP3 is a great defender. I think Steph has improved so much as a defender, even in isolation. So I'm still like... But it is a size thing. Yeah, and they're like... They're 35 plus, you know. Chris is one of the best point guard defenders of all time, but he's not in his prime. He's he is not, not Chris Paul anymore. Um, but I, I do want to like take a step back and say that the Chris Paul, Steph Curry, two man game is special. Yeah. Like you can already see it. You could see it in the preseason games. Chris is just such, he's a point guy. He knows where that off ball movement is going to end. So I am pretty high on the Warriors as a regular season team. I think there's no reason they shouldn't be a regular season wins factory. The question marks coming in the playoffs, but you know, only yeah, in preseason. I think my biggest question with CP3, we haven't really seen it, is just what does him and Draymond look like together? Like that's really what I'm kind of curious because yeah. like him and Steph, great. Him like you know doing the Warrior system, it looks good, but he was kind of doing the Draymond role in the game I watched versus the Lakers. So I'm just kind of curious, like what does it look like with Dre? Because if you're taking the ball away from Draymond a lot too, he's not also a guy who's giving you a ton of off ball value. Yeah, I mean, you you got to ask one of them to shoot. Yeah. One. <laughs> One of them has to shoot, and, and I'd be interested if if it's not Chris. What if it's Draymond? I I do think Chris has a little bit more on ball juice than Draymond. Mm -hmm. If I had to choose one person to have the ball in his hands, I'd rather it be Chris. But I would also rather have Chris shooting. So there's it's, a lot of question marks. It's tough too because I also would rather have Draymond coming off that little short pick and roll and have him with momentum toward the rim, just because he is six seven. So yeah. I don't know there. I think it's the Warriors. It's Steve Kerr. They're going to figure it out, but I just want to see it. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not the solidified championship pedigree contender that we've always just kind of said, okay, yeah. you're a contender. You're good to go. Go into the contender's lounge. <laughs> yeah. We got we to gotta see You got to prove it this year. Which we'll, we'll be talking about the contender's lounge later. Yeah. So anything else from preseason? Um, you see Ben Simmons? Yeah, he looks great. What you thinking about Ben Simmons? Is Ben Simmons back? <laughs> I think Ben Simmons is back. He's aggressive. That's the big thing. I know it was against a European League team, but he took a fadeaway <laughs> jumper. Yes, I love that. I like the confidence. Against the Lakers, he took a shot in the first possession of the game, which is like one of those things for 99% of NBA players. You're like, okay. But with yeah. Ben Simmons, I'm like, I like that Ben Simmons is like, I'm getting my shots up. Yeah, dude, honestly, I'm with you. 
Yeah. The, the the best thing that indicates Ben Simmons is back in a good mental space for at least playing basketball is in in that Lakers game. He was really embracing contact. Yeah. He got to the line like three times in the first quarter, and you know, I, there's just value in getting getting to the line, getting the opposing team starting lineup in foul trouble. Uh, in foul trouble. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was really, I was really happy. And then in the second quarter of that Lakers game, he was really um, playing out of the post a lot and finding shooters. He's like that team is built, is built to play with it. Play around, yeah. Him. No, um, I'm really excited. I feel like like the Simmons, Mikel Bridges, Johnson, Dorian Finney-Smith, like Claxton lineup could be a really fun just run and gun and actually play some pretty good defense too. Like. The Nets might have some juice if we get Sixers Simmons back. That's a huge team, and and that's a team that if I'm like the Celtics, I'm not enthused about playing that team yeah. in, in the uh, in the playoffs. But I, yeah, I mean, if I'm a Nets fan, I'm super happy about just how he's looked. There's no promises, you know. Yeah, it's Simmons. We- it, it's been Simmons. It's been a long time since we've seen him be that All NBA point guard real problem on both sides of the ball but it's at least encouraging yeah um i don't really have a note for teams but you know in researching for this podcast um there's a new resting policy in place this season i just had to jot this down half of all nba players are currently listed as day-to-day season hasn't started yet the entire oklahoma city thunders entire starting lineup is currently listed as day-to-day as of this morning what happened? What is this? Are we are NBA teams pre- preemptively being like, no? I swear they're hurt. I, <laughs> like, like, the season uh, hasn't started. That's that's super big brain. I think they the, honestly they might be because you know why not? Why yeah. why not just put that as the president precedent and then sorry like they're not ready. They've been dealing with this since the preseason. It's really tough. But yeah, it also just might be I, I they might have to justify them sitting in a preseason preseason game. Yeah, like I don't know I don't, because like even LeBron James listed us day to day and I'm like, I watched that Warriors game. He looked great. <laughs> looked yeah. Very spry. Yeah. So I know LeBron is not dealing with anything at the moment. LeBron is is looking good. Looking good. You you've watched like a good amount of Lakers, Lakers preseason. Lakers preseason. How are you feeling about the Lakers this year? They look good. I think this is going to be the best three-point shooting team in Lakers history. I don't think they're going to be the best in the league, but in team history. The Lakers have never had a great three-point shooting team. Yeah, that's never been their MO at all. It's always been, like, size. But Finally, finally, Palenka said, okay, (laughs) I'll do it. I'll put some shooters around LeBron. I have a revolutionary idea. (laughs) No one's ever done this before. No one's ever done this before, nor had any success doing it before. Yeah. I also, one small thing, I kind of doubt it will actually materialize into anything, but D'Angelo Russell saying he wishes he could be Derek White on defense. I know that just is the, a quote. Just the fact that he's thinking about that, he probably will not execute on it, but I like that he's thinking about it. I like that he said it. Coming out of Ohio <laughs> State, that was kind of his thing. It was like, this is a big defensive guard that is also a problem on offense, and it totally has not been a thing in the NBA. But I think if he wants to stay on the Lakers, he has to do that. Yeah. Because that's my biggest problem or biggest worry about the Lakers is their perimeter defense. And especially with like point of attack on guards, 
Like Austin Reeves is not moving me defensively. Obviously, D'Lo. Gabe Vincent did okay yeah. in the in the playoffs, but you're also like just put in the bubble wrap that is Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler and just Heat culture. So if D'Angelo Russell really was able to reinvent him as this himself as this defensive guard, that could literally swing the championship. No, it could. I'm excited. I still think Gabe Vincent's going to take the job by the end of the season, but we will see. We will see. <laughs> Patrick, today we are going to be talking about which teams are pretenders, which team are contenders. Presumably at the start of the season, all 30 teams are contending for a championship. Yeah, everybody's got a shot. <laughs> what are you got talking about? <laughs> Presumably. <laughs> everybody's got a shot. Um, so we're going to go team by team, and we'll just see if they're a contender or a pretender, and we'll talk about the ones that we think could go either way, the ones that we disagree on, and the contenders we think maybe have some concerns, the pretenders we think maybe have a shot to move up. So, Patrick, team number one, this team at the worst record in the NBA last season, are the Detroit Pistons a contender? I've got them as a pretender. <laughs> okay. I got to say, I, I, I don't see them making the jump yeah, into not... contendership. Did, did you have them? No, I have them as a pretender. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. I don't think we need to say much. <laughs> All right, well, we were going to speed around the next, you know, 12, 15, yeah. 20 teams. Okay, James. <laughs> yes. Houston Rockets. Pretender. San Antonio Spurs. Pretender. Pretender. Maybe. Maybe if we get the Wemby jump. I, I would love to see it. <laughs> oh, God. He's just the best player in of the league. All time. Instantly. Yeah. Um, Charlotte Hornets. Pretender. Mm -hmm. Portland Trailblazers. Pretender. Orlando Magic. Pretender. Indiana Pacers. Oh, I skipped you. They're a pretender. Are the Wizards. That's a pretender. That is maybe the biggest pretender. Yeah. Uh, Utah Jazz. I'm going to go pretender. The Dallas Mavericks. I really struggled with this one. Really? Yeah, because on, we just talked about all the issues that the Mavericks have. But at the end of the day, in the NBA, if you have a top five level talent, you at least deserve to be in about. the consideration of being a contender because you know we saw LeBron do it many times in his in his career. He was able to elevate a roster that just had no business being there to contendership. But I settled on the answer being no, kind of for this one one answering this one question. And so I have a little trivia question for you. Can you name, there's been four teams in NBA history that have missed the playoffs and then won the championship the next year. Three of them are fairly recent. And then one of them is kind of like a, I don't expect you to get it. Okay. Well, I know the 2020 Lakers did it. The 2020 bubble Lakers did do it. That's one. Bubble Lakers. The, mm. follow this along. If you, if you got them. No, the Raptors made it. Okay, obviously the Spurs. The There's Warriors, actually one. I'll give you a small hint. There was one more recent one than the 2020 Lakers. Oh, the Warriors. Yep, yes, the, the 2022 Warriors. Off the Warriors. Steph season. Yes. Okay. Um, think back, thinking back to the 2000s, there's no, like, missed Spurs. No Lakers missed the playoffs. Celtics coming off a lot. Mavericks, I think. Made the playoff. I don't know. This team, the, one of these teams is in the 2000s, and one of these teams is in the 1970s. The team in the 2000s only won one championship, but they were in two. The Pistons. 
was not the Pistons. You already exited out in your mind. It was the big three Celtics. Oh, oh yes, because the whole Allen trade, yep. the Garnett trade, yes. Okay. And then the one in the seventies. Do you want to give it a give it, give it a guess? Or can I just go supersonic? Um, pretty <laughs> close. We're in Pacific Northwest. Oh, it was the Blazers. It was the seventy-seven Blazers. Because I figured that team with Walton probably made it the year prior. Walton was hurt. Walt. Okay, that that makes yeah. sense. But when I look at those those four teams, each one of them had either the clear best player in the league or a very veteran laden. Team. The Warriors have won championships. The 2020 Lakers, they had LeBron, LeBron James. And Anthony Davis. And LeBron was still coming off that whole Cleveland Cavaliers, like just Run, yeah. so much higher level talent, as well as the Celtics big three. That's Garnett. You know, it it kind of defined an era of team building. And so I I think it's safe to say that the Mavericks just don't have that kind of upside. Yeah, I think Luka is as good as any of those players. I'm super, super high on Luka. Um, I have him as a top five player, but the Mavericks have no teeth on the inside. We talked about it a lot, but Lively, Powell, and then Grant Williams is undersized. Like, we've talked about him enough. They're just, they have no teeth. They yeah. need some, they need some, they need a, they, they're, they're, they can growl, but they can't bite. Also with Josh Green, he's still got to prove it to me that he can be, that I, I think he's a great point of attack defender, but he's got to prove it to me that he's going to hit shots in the playoffs. That yeah. That is no given. Like, Luka, I think, has more than proven himself in the playoffs. I even think Kyrie, you know, he's had a lot of playoff blunders in the last couple years, but he's also had some great playoff moments, too. I, I'm pretty high on Kyrie as a playoff player still, but, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't like this pass. So you have them as a pretender as well? I have them as a pretender. All right. All right. Well, I think we've fleshed out that the Mavericks are a pretender. Um, Chicago Bulls. I have them as a pretender. I don't feel like we need to get into this one. No, I don't think so either. What about the Thunder? The Thunder, I have them as a pretender. I also have the a pretender, but I have them as a pretender that I, I felt was worth making notes about. For me, it's just they're too young. Yeah, absolutely. They're too young. The, the top-end talent might be there, but like we just said, teams that miss the playoffs don't win championships the next year. Yeah. And, and they're more in that mix of, are you going to be a play-in team for sure this go-round? Yeah, I think for me, I'm very, very high on the Thunder. I think they are going to make the playoffs. I think they actually could avoid the play-in. For me, what worries me is, like, Chet obviously missed his entire rookie season. I don't know if he's injury-prone. I don't know if that's a fair label to put on him yet. But, again, if, let's say Chet's get early foul trouble. It gets really tough in a series against the Lakers or the Nuggets. Yeah, um, Re really, any even if you're not concerned with a team's big man, like like the Suns, Nurkic is not a big man that you're going to be super freaked out about combating, but the loss of that rim protection against some of the best scores of all time is just a really, really tough thing to play yeah. with. But if you told me this Thunder season ends with the Thunder going like six games with the Suns and Chet looked great and Shea obviously looks great and Giddy's showing a little bit more of a jump shot and J Dub looks like he's gonna keep ascending. I'd be like, okay, we're in the they just lost to the Lakers in the first round, and next year is when they go to the finals versus the Heat. Absolutely. <laughs> Era of Thunder team building. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm right there with you, man. I mean, they their ceiling is as high as it could possibly be, but they're just not there quite yet. The Atlanta Hawks. They're a pretender for me. 
I, I'm I'm pretty high on on Trey. I, I think he's gonna have a huge year, and I think I think Quinn Snyder is going to be able to crack the DeJounte Murray Trey Young nut, but I just don't see it translating into that kind of success. Yeah, I just I don't know. I think that the Hawks the Hawks had that crazy streak last year where they were always like a game above or below 500. And they were pretty much like win, loss, loss, win, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. And I think they could be better than that this year. I think with Trey Young, they're going to have a top offense. I still think perimeter defense wise, it's a concern. DeJounte Murray is not the defender he was in San Antonio. He's become a much more offensively focused player. And, you know, Hunter hasn't really panned out. I don't know. I just... I could see the Hawks as a play-in team, maybe like a 5-6 seed, but I don't quite see it with them as a contender. Yeah, as a contender, probably not. But I think uh, an Onyeko Kongwu pop is definitely in the cards of something that could happen. Um, uh, what about the Toronto Raptors? Pretender. Hard <laughs> pretender. I, I do not see it. When you hire an assistant coach as your head coach... You're, you're trying to tell us something. Yeah, I, I have the Raptors as a strong pretender. They have next to no shooting. Um, let's just move on. Yeah, Dennis Schroeder's not doing it for you. <laughs> Minnesota Timberwolves. Pretender. I have them as a pretender, Yeah, too. I, just, I just don't like the Cat-Gobert pairing. I really don't like Towns in the playoffs. It's just, it's like a long, long history of, like, fouling out or getting too emotional, not being able to handle the moment, underperforming. Gobert, I mean... And if he just falls off even a little bit more on defense, he's losing a lot of value as a player. Conley, they're relying on him for playmaking. He's like 35. And I don't think Edwards is going to make this giant jump everyone's predicting. We just saw him with Team USA. He's just really not there as a playmaker yet. Yeah, uh, I hear you, and I'm not trying to say that they are a contender at all. But I am increasingly and increasingly a believer in their defense. I there was a lot of hot takes going into last season that this was going to be a top three defense. I think realistically they could be a top one defense. No this year. way! I yeah. just don't see it with Towns, dude. Nikhil Alexander Walker <laughs> Gobert is back and, and in. They're just playing huge. I I really believe it. And and Anthony Edwards is that dude yeah. that can do it on both sides of the ball. I think. I think that they could be a top six seed in the West. I am a huge, I think they're deep. I'm a huge believer in what they do up until the playoffs come and then they really got to prove it to me. <laughs> but as a regular season team, I am buying. If you're selling your stock, I am ready to buy your Timberwolves stock. It's, it's crazy because the Timberwolves were a team that I, I gave enough merit to to write a note. And my note was literally Towns, period. Go Bear, period. Towns looked great in Abu Dhabi. He did. He but was stroking against, it. Against the Mavs. That's true. <laughs> the All right, let's, let's move on to the next but, team. But was it the Timberwolves that made the Mavs look so bad? <laughs> uh, we should move on. I think the Mavs made the Mavs look bad. Yeah. Um, New Orleans Pelicans. I got Pretender. Yeah, I also have Pretender. I kind of have them in a similar boat to the Thunder where, like, I want to see them first. This could maybe be a team next year if they look really good in the playoffs this year where I'm like, all right, Zion proved himself. He had a healthy year. Let's, like, it's go time. But we got to see that healthy year first. Did you have a chance to catch any Zion um, preseason action? Yeah, he looks great. I was, like, a little underwhelmed. Really? To be honest. I loved what I saw from him as a driving kick guy like that's exactly what you're looking for but his and of course 
this has a lot to do with it being preseason, but if his off-ball movement stays what it was and his defensive intensity being a like hard zero on the intense scale, then I, I think the Pelicans are in major trouble. I, I was not super impressed by what I saw from Zion, to be honest. I think for me, what I'm looking for from a guy like Zion in the preseason is like, what does he look like athletically? And like in the game I watch, it's like one of the first plays of the game, he's just jumping full, like full speed, full height at a defender. The defender perfectly times his jump to match Zion. Zion's hang time is just lasting forever. He double like triple pumps and gets a crazy layup to go. And I'm like, that's kind of the quintessential Zion play where it's like, it shouldn't work at the basket, but it just does. Yeah. Yeah. And he's still got his, his touch, like he said, but I don't, I don't know, just something to keep an eye on. And I think that the questions about Zion's mentality, how he goes about, like the big story of this off season for the Pelicans was like, Zion's taking uh, his career seriously. Like, that's yeah. not a great place to be. I am. Yeah, I <laughs> don't love that. But I will say this. The reason I had the Pelicans as a pretender more more so than Zion was I'm a little worried about the guard defense. I know Alvarado's, you know, pretty feisty. He's another one of those guys who's mysteriously day to day. The Pelicans are missing Trey Murphy for a couple weeks. McCollum did not look good last year. Is he going to look a lot better this year? I'm not quite sure. So Zion aside, there's health issues. Ingram is and a guy who gets hurt. Issues. Yeah, and defense issues. I mean, I love Valanciunas. I think Valanciunas is one of the best offensive centers in the NBA, but he's not a great defender. No, not at all. Not at all. Especially going up against the versatile bigs that we have in, this, in the Western Conference at, at the bare minimum today. Um, yeah, I have a lot of questions about the Pelicans, and I, I think that could be like, Going into the trade deadline, a huge swing team. Like, yeah, are I, you trading Brandon Ingram or is it clicking and everything's working great? Yeah, I think this is a team that I feel like as recently as like eight months ago, we were just all gushing over the depth, especially on the wings of like Dyson Daniels or Jones, Trey Murphy, and that Brandon Ingram. And now it's kind of like, hmm. Yeah. Like, what is this team? Also, their three point shooting is not a strength, especially yeah. with Trey Murphy out. So I think. Getting him back in the fold would look a little bit better as well. All right, our next team up, the Los Angeles Lakers. This is my first contender. There we go, me too. Yeah, I feel like there's, I mean, it's kind of obvious. This team was a Final Four team last year. Their size was a massive problem for everybody but the Nuggets. Mm -hmm. I know, as a Heat fan slash Laker fan, I think if they had matched up in the finals, I think the Lakers would have won. Um that's yes. like Adebayo is one of the best defensive players in the NBA, but it's really because of his switching and versatility. Davis has given him a ton of problems over the years. I think the Lakers just, I don't know. They're huge. They've added so much shooting. Reeves looks amazing. Yeah. Reeves offensively looks like he's, he's about to step on to another level. And that's when we've seen LeBron teams at their best with the second playmaker, when, when there's a second playmaker that really can, take most of the load on offense and we've already talked about the shooting that they've surrounded um lebron and ad with is just i mean i don't know why palinka decided to build the 1819 los angeles lakers the way he did but thank god for lakers fans this is the team that they've needed all along torian prince 
another yeah, major great pickup. steal. And what I like about this team, too, is you forget, like, oh, yeah, they still have Vanderbilt for when they're in a game where they're like, you know what? We just need a lockdown defender. Oh, yeah, we'll just bring in Vanderbilt. They kind of have a lineup for every single situation that they find themselves in. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, at I, the end of the day, that's a contender, a team that can win in, in a bunch of different ways. ways. Um, like, like I said earlier, I'm a little worried about their defense, especially if Anthony Davis were to miss, miss time, which Anthony Davis never misses time. So that's, <laughs> that probably won't be a problem at all. I guess the question with this team, it's not really a question because it's, you know, there's not really an, I guess there's an answer, but like, I feel like this is the first LeBron team that's in a weird spot where they can stomach LeBron missing 40 games way more than they could stomach Davis missing 40 games. Absolutely. Yeah. Anthony Davis is the guy. The key to this team. team. Yeah. Yeah. It, this this is a super team built around this Anthony Davis. This team had Davis. the best record in the NBA after the trade deadline, and LeBron missed, like, almost all those games. Think back to a year ago. Yeah. Right it's now. crazy we're having this discussion Actually, about this team. Yeah. It's – it's I, I would have bet my house on – Rob Palinka being fired, Darvin <laughs> Ham being fired. Maybe LeBron James is on another retired. team. Retired. Yeah, retired. <laughs> He's like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> um, so let me just throw this out there since we're talking about contenders. In the scenario where the Lakers win a championship, you're LeBron James. Yeah. Are you retiring? Oh, it's so tough, especially with the brawny, you know, complication with his heart. It's probably going to delay his... I guess NBA debut by a year potentially. Jeez. I don't know. I guess if they win, the only the only thing is they would be in a position to win again. Yeah. Here's where I'm sitting. I think you know there's no probably player in all of American sports that is more keyed on what his narrative is than LeBron, LeBron James. Yeah. If I'm LeBron James and I win a title, I'm not retiring unless. I'm beating the Boston Celtics. <laughs> if if LeBron James beats the Celtics, beats the Laker. Celtics in the finals as a Laker, that's just you can't get a better narrative than that. You are a god in LA. You break the franchise championship record. Anyways, that's I've been thinking. These are things that yeah, I think you go about. to sleep thinking yeah. about. Let's talk about the next team, my other team. There Love we being go. a two fan team. The Miami Heat. Okay, no, I am not, I cannot answer first. I must hear. No, you have to go first. Uh, Okay. Um, I'll say this. When I initially made my pretenders versus contenders list, the Heat were in my four teams that made the I don't really know yet. Yes. Um, Well, in my initial list, I had eight teams, once I was all done, that were contenders. Mm -hmm. And the Heat were one of those teams. And I told you this morning that I had eight contenders. And then when I got here, I said I changed one. And that was the one I changed. Oh, no. So you have the Heat as pretenders. I have the Heat as pretenders. I, you know, I get it. They made the finals last year, which, you know, that is the profile of a team that can win the championship. A team that's been in the championship already. That's just how the NBA works. But they're road to the finals was not a reliable road to the finals one half of basketball goes differently against the chicago bulls they don't even make (laughs) Make the the playoffs playoffs. they don't even make the playoffs and that's the chicago bulls a team that we weren't even willing to spend 10 seconds on in this conversation this team is markedly worse than last year's team i i don't think that's arguable 
And I just, if I'm, if, if I need to see it from other teams with the talent level of like the Thunder and the Mavericks, uh, I'm sorry, I need to see it from the Heat. So I was really leaning pretenders with the Heat. And ultimately, I put them as a contender. Okay. So one big thing with the Heat was a lot of us were thinking like, they need to replace Gabe Vincent. They need to replace Struess. And they can't just keep going on this revolving door of hoping they have in, you know, in-house talent. They did add Josh Richardson, who is pretty much Max Struess with more athleticism, um, effectively. The, the idea. Yeah, the, the idea. idea. Okay. I mean, Richardson was a 20-point-per-game guy with the Heat. He's not going to go back to being that. I think Haywood Highsmith is ready to play a little bit more minutes. He looks okay in the preseason. He still looks kind of tentative, a little hesitant on offense a little bit. Like, do I have permission to shoot? But that's kind of how Gabe Vincent was the entire regular season with the Heat. He did not shoot the ball a lot. Like, playoff Vincent and regular season Vincent were two different players. But that's what I'm saying. That's why it's even more unreliable. Because they needed him to be like that in the regular season when he wasn't. So the reason why, this thing with the Heat, you can't talk about the Heat like a rational basketball team. You're you right. have to, since Jimmy Butler has gotten to the Heat, they have the most playoff wins in the NBA. That's insane. <laughs> That's insane. So with that in mind, here's the thing. When you look at the, on paper, you look at the Milwaukee Bucks, and you're like, Damian Lillard, Giannis. But then you're like, okay, well, the Bucks, who I have as a contender, spoiler alert, <laughs> um, are not the deepest team. And if you told me that Jimmy Butler went into Milwaukee and dropped 45 points in the Heat one, I would be like, that seems pretty for the course. Mm-hmm. And the Celtics, I'm sorry, but, you know, Drew Holiday, love him as a printer defender. I feel like the Celtics' whole roster is like, how many guys can we get on one team that Jimmy Butler just owns? <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm saying. This is not a rational take. This is an irrational take. But I just, the thing with the Heat is the other two, I have a, the, the two teams that most people are going to peg as the contenders in the East are the Celtics and the Bucks, And I feel like the Heat look at the Celtics and the Bucks as like, okay, let's go. Yeah, they're definitely not scared. They're not scared. Which, which is something to say. But I, I, I just got to gotta see a move or something or yeah. I, some real, like, confidence instilled in Tyler Hero. Not that Tyler Hero needs confidence, but I want to see the Heat organization be like, you're our guy. You're not just like this overachieving draft pick that we hit on. Yeah. Well, that is the other thing too with the Heat is I think a lot of us are like, how are they going to replace Gabe Vincent? How are they going to replace Max Struess? Well, when we saw those guys playing at their best, Hero wasn't there. Hero is better than both of those guys. He's an yes. amazing off-the-ball movement shooter. He can, He's an incredible three-point shooter. I think adding Hero back is going to be a lot better for this team than people realize. I feel like Hero... The discourse around Hero has gotten really weird with the whole Dame trade. Like, people are acting like Hero is some, like, I don't know, Lou Will, like, Jamal Crawford type, like, just shoot it every time I get the ball. And that's not really his game. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I think Tyler Hero is necessary for the, the regular heat, yeah. season for them. And just he's kind of the linchpin of what makes them a contender yeah. or a pretender. But um, definitely a lot more question marks from the Heat than yeah. we're used to. I guess the one thing I will add to Tyler Hero, too, is I think there's this narrative like the Heat were so much better without Hero. That's why they made this finals run. They were in game seven of the Eastern Conference finals the prior year with Tyler Hero being a huge part of that team. Tyler Hero is a good playoff player. That's true. There's no evidence to suggest that he isn't. So that's why I have the Heat as a contender. But. Rationally speaking, I totally get yeah, why hey, you have them as a pretender. I, like, 
this team is just so hard to even <laughs> talk about. Talk about <laughs> because yeah, like you said, nothing makes sense. But let's keep going. Let's keep going. Okay, here's where <laughs> it keeps getting interesting. LA this is Clippers. where it gets fun. I have the Clippers as a pretender. I have them as a contender. Okay, so this is our two disagreement teams. Do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Yeah, I can I can go first on on the Clippers. I I just think first first point being they have an amazing coach that yes. is just built for the playoffs. He's he's built for it. He's ready for the smoke. He raises just like Spolstra does. I think he really raises the personnel of the Clippers and and just makes it work in a really real way. The second thing is Kawhi's still Kawhi. Yeah. I, I, like, if we hadn't seen those two games in the playoffs, I wouldn't have them where I have them. But all the information that we have tells me that Kawhi Leonard still can turn back the clock and be that at least close to Toronto Raptors, I am maybe the best player in the league. Kawhi Leonard and you know what that goes a long way like I said before a contender has to have a guy that can be a top five player in the NBA if not the best player in the NBA at any given moment and they not only have one of those guys but Paul George is still really good relatively in his (laughs) prime as well and the the big thing that always comes up with the Clippers is their health but you can say that about literally any one of these teams. So as far as I'm concerned, if the Clippers make the playoffs and they have their guys, nobody wants to play them. And that's why I have them here. So the reason I have the Clippers as a pretender, I'm going to start with a fun fact for you. I'm going to go with a basketball references page for an NBA franchise includes the top 12 players who have ever played for a franchise. And the way they decide this list is by win shares. So basically cumulative value you've accumulated while you're with a franchise. Um, so there's one active Clipper on that list. His name is Avika Subac. <laughs> Legend. Uh, Leonard and George are not on the list. They're <laughs> nowhere to be found. And that's because of games played. So I decided the Clippers were one of my teams that I was like, do I put them in contenders? Do I put them in pretenders? If you guaranteed Leonard was healthy, I'm putting them in contenders. Here's why I'm not doing it. Here's the 20. Here is the Paul George Kawhi Leonard. Clippers playoff run 2020 eaten alive by Jokic, mm-hmm. which will happen again if they play Denver. Well, not not in the first um, <laughs> two and a half games of that series. Okay, 2021. Um, this is a weird side note, and I don't know how this is possible, but 2021 Kawhi Leonard uh, has the ACL tear, which yes. he misses the entire next season in with. The second round, they made the Western Conference Finals for yes. the first time in their Ever. franchise. Got to history. six games, which was impressive against the Phoenix Suns. 2022, um, this is where this I've noticed 2021 begins a hilarious trend um, with some of your favorite bigs, DeAndre Ayton and Tarl Towns. My, my guys. Um, from 2021 to 2023, somehow every Clippers playoff game involves both big men for both teams going negative plus minus. That's crazy. Which I don't, I don't quite get how that's happening. I mean, I, I believe it with DeAndre Aiden in the playoffs. Well, what you would love is Aiden has a ton of like twelve of fifteen like field goal games, and with like a negative twenty plus minus, which single game plus minus is whatever. But anyway, the reason going back to their you know playoff I will runs say in like game three of the Western Conference Finals in twenty twenty one, DA you like won that game for the Suns, <laughs> so I'll give you that big five. 
Um, so 2022, they lose in the plans. They lose to both the Timberwolves and the Pelicans. Um, Kawhi is out. 2023, Leonard plays those two games. He's incredible, and he's out. So for the last three postseasons, Kawhi Leonard has been out of the picture. I guess, Patrick, the reason they're pretenders to me is I just feel like this is going to be four years of it. I don't yeah. want to put it out there. I want to see Kawhi play, but I just I you have to see it. completely have the right to say that because that's all they've ever shown us. And I'm going to actually get more into the Clippers and this particular run later in the pod. But, yeah, it's, it's not the – I wouldn't put down money on it, but – if I'm saying who are the real contenders in the NBA right now, I just feel like I have to put down the money. So, and they've you, got Russell Westbrook. They do have Westbrook. We didn't talk about him, but I feel like ultimately he's not. I feel like to me, this really is a Kawhi thing and a size thing more Absolutely. than a Westbrook thing. But I guess, so you have seven contenders. Would you say this is, if you had to rank them, this would be seven? Yeah. Yeah, this would be seven. All right. Our next team, Patrick, what do you feel about the Golden State Warriors? Golden State Warriors, they, I have so many questions about them. We already talked about it, but at the end of the day, for me, they fit the profile of a team that is a contender in the league. They've had a lot of playoff success. They won the championship two years ago. They've still pretty much got all of their pieces who, aside from Klay Thompson, hasn't really shown much um, regression. Um, Chris Paul answers so many questions for their turnover problems, which I think is a real thing. Um, so I've got them as a contender, but I think they would be one rung up on the Clippers because they there's something about them that just doesn't feel real. If there was one team I wish I had another week to make a decision on, it was this team. I still have them listed as unsure. Patrick, I might look like a clown for this. I have the Warriors as pretenders. Let's go. I, just, I love this. The reason I have them as a pretender, despite me feeling like they have the pedigree, is I can't see a world where they actually can beat the Nuggets or the Lakers. I think mm. of the three teams in the West that I like, which also includes Phoenix, I think I could see them beating Phoenix in like a shootout type series, kind of like their King series. But I don't know, man. I don't see it. Like I just don't see how they compete with the Nuggets or the Lakers. The size is too much of a problem i don't think chris paul really fixes that issue they have versus those two teams structurally yeah i totally agree with you i <laughs> i couldn't see them beating either one of those teams either for them to win the finals they would have to have a good path a, a path that fell in the yeah, right way great bracket um but which you know it, it happens happen. sometimes yeah, it can happen um but yeah yeah i mean i'm not pushing back on you that's the warriors all of these things end dynasties yeah, all end. end and this has been really one of the cleanest you know Runs. regressions mm -hmm. of a, a true true dynasty in the nba that we've ever seen and that could really kick in let me reframe year. their season from last year in a way that might not be fair but just think about it this way they are not a good regular season team last year they're the sixth no. seed they win against the kings in seven games the kings who are the three seed, are the healthiest team in the NBA. They almost have no missed games to injury the entire year. So this is a very overachieving Kings team that's probably not as good as their record indicates. They barely scrap by them. They go against well, a real not, team. Not, even, not to forget that De'Aaron Fox and Damanis Sabonis were injured in that, in that series. series. So they scrap by that team. 
they go against the Lakers and they just have no answer for a single second Anthony Davis is on the court. They just look I don't know. I just I feel like last year might have been the beginning of the end. And with Clay and Draymond, Draymond's offense every year just ticks down a little bit more and more. He's still an amazing defender. But Clay Thompson, he came back two seasons ago. This isn't like, okay, this is the Clay comeback year. Like that was last year, and he looked awful in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, my only rebuttal to that is game seven, Steph just <laughs> yeah. looked like the best player in the league. But like I don't, with you, I don't doubt that Steph can single-handedly take the Warriors to six versus the Lakers or the Nuggets, but I just don't think Steph is going to give you that four out of seven games when those teams also have their own players who are capable of those types of nights. Yeah, yeah, and they don't. Their bigs are a real question mark. Yeah, you know, if if Looney or Draymond are hampered at all with in, injuries then you're like trotting Dario Saric post-ACL tear out there. Yeah. And he that's... Was, when I was doing my preseason film study, I was like, oh, wait, Saric is not a warrior. Yes, he's there. Which, honestly, he's kind of the perfect four-man's Draymond for their second unit. But in an ideal world, he's not in my playoff rotation. Yeah. I will say, if there's one team that could make me look stupid, it, it probably will be this team or the Clippers. Um, but... You know what? I gotta be ball. I gotta. Ha- I yeah. gotta stick with my gut. I'm putting the misc- pretenders, man. I feel like the Warriors, the Chris Paul trade. I love Chris Paul. I don't think that's the move that puts them back in the contender yeah. category. Seems like the move before the move. We don't need to get into that yet. Yeah. But their roster is so guard centric. It doesn't really make sense. It is. All right, Patrick. The Phoenix Suns. <laughs> Come on! I got my guy right here. The Phoenix Suns are a prime contender to win. The championship i also have them as a contender um, yeah i mean i don't even know where to start the every return that we've seen from the preseason so far has just looked like they're hitting the ground running they just have looked amazing book and durant and beal are all at their core they're off-ball players that you wish would handle the ball more be a little bit more heliocentric and I think this roster construction forces them to do that. Um, I think James Jones made something out of nothing, filling out the rest of the roster with depth that will be able to stand up against these guys um, not being healthy. Um, I'm super high on the Suns. They're my championship pick. I think there's just an amazing buzz around Phoenix right now. I will hand it off to you. Yeah, the Suns are contenders. I mean, you know, weird comparison. Is Devin Booker Western Conference Jimmy in the sense that every, you know, every offseason people make their lists and, you know, Jimmy Butler 12, Devin Booker 13. And then all of a sudden it's April or May and it's like, wow, Devin Booker's shooting 40 out of 50 on contested jump shots. Devin Booker is, I'm sorry, I watched like eight, playoffs Suns games last year why are we ranking durant over booker at this point in their careers booker is by far the best shooting guard in the league right now yeah i I mean i think there's some residual stank of just two years ago two years ago the the way that season ended but even more than that just the way devin booker's career began in phoenix which totally isn't fair but it's just the reality uh a lot of the media is based on the East Coast. They're not staying up for Suns games always. Um, 
to get into some of the worries that I have about the Suns, you know, I'm I'm definitely worried about the center position. I'm worried about yeah. Nurkic. Um, I think there's been a lot of talk in NBA circles this year or in the last couple of weeks even about the teams in the Western Conference haven't done anything to combat Jokic, yeah. to try to build their team in a way to stop Jokic. And I think, personally, I think that's smart. When have we ever seen... Anybody stop Jokic? <laughs> even short of that, when have we seen a team build themselves in a way specifically to beat another team and it works? That's true. You need to embrace what you are good at. Exactly. And I think that's what the Suns have done. I think that's what the Lakers have done. I, I even think, to an extent, that's what the Warriors have done. Um yeah, I mean, I guess we don't need to talk too much about the Suns. We both have them as contenders. I think the big issue I had with them last year was, like, way too many mid-range shots. I still think that could be a concern. But I do think with Beal, Durant, and Booker all on the same team, it will kind of naturally put them in positions to shoot a little bit more threes, which should help the math problem that they've had yeah. the last few years. Also, you just look look at the available free agents right now that was like the whole sun's roster <laughs> in the playoffs last year yeah terrence ross he's not on a team tj warren he's not a team and, and they were playing huge minutes for the suns and you're replacing guys like that with eric gordon who looked unbelievable last week in portland uh you're replacing him with grayson allen who's a guy who can really really shoot i think just there's real spacing there that is going to really make I book is he's a dark horse MVP candidate. If I've ever seen one, um, I don't think this is kind of a hot take. I, I don't think that a true guard can win MVP in the league today, but I think if one could this season, it would be Devin Booker. Ooh. All right. Our next team is the Brooklyn Nets. Ben Simmons finalist MVP. No, I have them as a pretender. They're a pretender. Yeah, they just, I mean, maybe they have the bones for it if Ben Simmons comes back in a super real way and Mikhail just continues to have, like, a static growth upwards. But um, I just don't see them hanging with uh, yeah. some of these top East yeah. teams. What do they do even if, if they go up against um, the Sixers? You know, I think they're like, still barbecue chicken. Yeah, I, I guess I don't want to spend too much time on the Nets, but like last year, their series with the Sixers, for all the Embiid can't play in the playoffs, like if you actually watched that series, the moment Embiid got near the basketball, the entire, all five people on the Nets flocked toward him. Like they're terrified of Giannis or Embiid because Claxton can't handle those guys. No, no. Um, all right, the next team. The New York Knicks. Pretender. I also have a pretender. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we need to do too much on the Knicks. There's just still not enough shooting, not enough scoring. Mitchell Robinson just doing a disappearing act versus the Heat was strange. Yeah. I mean, they're a super deep team. I love them for the regular season. I think they're kind of next up, and getting that winning culture going is really essential for them, but they just don't have the top-end talent yeah. to be a true contender they don't have the juice the next team the sacramento kings talk about a team that doesn't have the top end talent to be a true <laughs> contender oh uh, yeah i have them as a pretender yeah i have them as a pretender too i think people are forgetting this team uh this team had a worse defensive rating than the mavericks last season this team is not a good defensive team they were the healthiest team as i mentioned earlier they're due for regular season regression they won 48 games last year i 
would be shocked if they hit that again. I'll be honest. Yeah, I, I don't see them hitting that again. I see them being a really good, good regular team. season Yeah, I see team. them as like mid-low 40-win team, maybe like a 44, 45-win team, which is close to 48. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying they're going to fall off a cliff. I just, I just don't see it with this team. I don't, I just think if they're another one of those teams that, you know, the Suns, Lakers, or Nuggets, they go, oh, Sabonis. Cool. Yeah, like, like cool. Sick, 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 sick. It's like w- if you had to bet on them to make the Western Conference Finals or lose in the first round, I'd take losing the first. You're round. taking losing the first round. Yeah, that that is not a contender. Um, all right, a team that I had a lot of trouble deciding where to put the Memphis Grizzlies. I also really struggled with the Grizzlies, so. Here's why I ended up having the Grizzlies as a pretender when initially I leaned contender. Okay. So I'm worried about where they're going to end up in the regular season standings. I think they might end up being a road team round one because of the jaw suspension, because it is Marcus smart and the guard depth kind of it's, you know, it's smart and Bane really like that. You know, imagine jaw doesn't even exist. He'd be like, that's a, that's a pretty good yeah. team. Marcus smart, Desmond Bain, Kennard. Jaron Jackson. You'd be like, that's a good team. You add jaw an amazing team. But it's a good team but in a loaded conference. Um, one thing I liked about the Grizzlies so much was their big man depth between Jaron, Clark, and Adams. But Clark is coming off an Achilles tear, so he might not even play this year. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a, a huge question mark. And Clark has been so good in the playoffs for them when, in reality, Steven Adams is a year, year older. He's coming off a major injury. Is he actually going to be able to play real playoff minutes for them i have question marks then that means jaron jackson jr is playing full-time at the center we have never been able to see him hold that position and not be in constant foul foul trouble, trouble. foul trouble foul um, trouble baby yeah and my really my other big question with the grizzlies like their half court offense has been so bad for so long like i don't know if everyone remembers they had like a six or eight point quarter in yeah. the playoffs at one point like I, I surely there's a trade, but there's not a lot of threes that I think can really like, I know Ananobi has been the name that's out there. I'll be honest. I don't really think OG Ananobi solves this team's half court offense. No, like I, you're I like, Oh, he's a three. We could just slot him in at the three for the Grizzlies. But I'm like, but does that structurally solve the problems with this half court offense? I don't really think it does. Go get cat. Go yeah. get cat. Cat and Jaren would be crazy. Just sell, sell on, on defense a little bit. Um, I think a cat jaw led team is a, is a maturity disaster waiting to happen but possibly yeah um i so wanted to put this team in contender so did i and i wouldn't be surprised if they like made a crazy finals run but i don't see that team winning yeah you know going up against a celtics or a bucks i just don't see that that youthful team coming nba history has taught us that that kind of team doesn't win I found a really interesting kind of pattern, though, from the Grizzlies. There, so their last four years of playoff success is identical to a year before the Bad Boys Pistons won two championships. So this Ooh. would be like their last time losing against Larry Bird. And I love that Bad Boys Pistons. This You've got iteration Dumars of Dumars and Thomas with 
Bane and Jaw. Oh, exactly. I, I like this. It's so I like good. this. You got Steven Adams as kind of your Bill Lambeer. You got and Jokic then, as Larry Bird. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you've got Jaw in the Isaiah Thomas role, which it's like, you know, their true point guards are very different in the way they affect a game. But just something to, to track going forward yeah i really wanted to put this team in contenders but i just i just can't yeah i was the same way all right let's move on cleveland cavaliers pretenders i also have them as pretenders yeah i don't think either of us like the perimeter defense with garland and mitchell they're short even Struess, love that addition for them for the current way this team is set up Struess is also kind of on the short side four or three he's like six five um, I don't like the double bigs in the playoff. I really didn't like Jared Allen basically being like, I'm not built for this. Yeah. Not a quote I like from an NBA player. And honestly, I don't love the fit between Garland and Mitchell. I think at the end of the day, their skill sets are way too repetitive. And just the defensive concerns make it a I, little I don't, bit. I think their offensive games are different enough that offensively they make sense because i think mitchell's more of the like dynamic you know on ball finisher yeah and i think garland garland can i feel like garland is one of those guys who can kind of fit with any two guard but i think really defensively is the issue they're just too small yeah i i also just think the the vibes around this team are weird from what i've seen I love their offseason moves. I think I think their offseason moves of getting Max Struess, getting Niang, it's yeah. exactly what they needed. But there's just a huge Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell yeah, like thing. Dark hanging, cloud, dark yeah. Dark cloud hanging above this franchise that I think is real. And it could get bad really, really quickly. Yeah. And, and teams like that don't win. I guess the only thing for the Cavs, and I don't know what the trade are, is is does this team make some sort of Jared Allen trade and all of a sudden we're like, oh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you could make a Jared Allen trade and a Donovan Mitchell trade. And honestly, if I'm not a top, if I, especially if I'm not a top six seed going into the trade deadline, if I'm not a top three team in the East going into the trade deadline, I'm seriously looking at Donovan Mitchell trades and Jared Allen trades because you can make Toronto, please. We can really make each other's worlds work. Um, all right, let's let's move out of here. There are four teams left. There is the Denver Nuggets. I don't even know if we need to talk about them. Contender. They're the contender. They're, they're the champ. They're the champ. They're champs. the champ. They got the belt. They have the best player in the world. They've got the best best fitting starting five in the NBA. Which is also a massive starting five. Yes. Yeah, I mean, they're just perfect fit. They've got great coaching. Yeah. There's really not a lot to say about them. All right, this is the most interesting team in the NBA. They have been for an entire decade. One of my, my favorite team to talk about, 10 years running. They've got the belt, the Philadelphia 76ers. There is no <laughs> freaking way that I can say that this team is a contender right now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Joel Embiid has all of the talent to be the best player in the NBA, but this team is just cursed. I don't know. It just, with the talk about a cloud from a star shooting guard, there is a James Harden cloud over this franchise right now. When you have a player of that ability that is outwardly saying that 
He <laughs> hates the GM. Hates the GM. <laughs> the, like teams like that do not win in the NBA. Yeah. Well, I will say I have them as a pretender. Okay. I want to fight for the Sixers because it's fun, but I have them as a pretender. Uh, I wrote two notes. Obviously, the Harden situation is a mess. Do we get Maury Magic in the trade? Because I don't think they're going to end up trading with the Clippers. The Clippers yeah. made Terrence Mann off limits. Terrence Mann averaged eight points a game last year. And I think Terrence Mann is... And he's is, like 30. Yes, he's like 28 or something. <laughs> this is ridiculous, Clippers. The other thing with Terrence Mann is I actually think Terrence Mann is really good. I think he should be playing more. Tyloo, why aren't you playing him? Yeah. If yeah. you're the Clippers, you're not even playing this guy. You're not going to make the Harden trade. So I don't think he goes to the Clippers. I just, I, if, th if that's the sticking point, I don't think it's going to happen. Here's the will thing I will say about the Sixers. Two things. If there were ever a year for the Sixers to randomly <laughs> pull off their upset against the Celtics, I feel like it would be this year. True. Just true. because it is so weird. But here's my thing. Last year, you kind of forget this is, this is where Doc Rivers is as a coach or was as a coach. Last year, the Sixers moved Embiid's primary, you know, creation point to the elbow. And everyone's like, wow, they moved Embiid off the low block so we can see what's happening in front of him. This is a crazy adjustment from Doc Rivers. The Sixers have a real coach now. They have Nick yeah. Nurse. Like, we, Embiid might take another step up. I think my problem is, even in a world where Harden's happy, Maxi's happy, Embiid's happy, the coach is a lot better, I don't know if I love the pieces around those three. Yeah, I, I don't love the pieces around those three. I think they've they had a really bad and regression riddled offseason with the the people that they're losing. Um, there's just I don't know. There it doesn't seem like there's a I mean, because there obviously isn't, there isn't a commitment to this team right now in yeah, Philadelphia, I, just, I feel. It's kind of weird. Like Tobias Harris is on like year four of this team, and it still feels like he's like got there a month ago. Like he yeah. still doesn't seem comfortable in catch and shoot that much. Like I don't know. I the they're last, pretenders. The last three years of the 76ers, they've won as many playoff series as these three teams that I'm about to tell you. Lob City Clippers. Okay. Which we already went over the history of the Clippers. Joe Johnson Hawks. And that hurts. The Pre-MJ first retirement Knicks. So that is before the um, Pat Riley era. That's not a contender. <sighs> this team has underperformed. Yeah. Like, over the last four years. They were up 3-2 against the Celtics. Uh, structurally, last year's Celtics, I feel like, should have lost to a team that has the MVP center. I just, I don't know. The Sixers, the Sixers hurt me, man. They, they should have won. They should have won that series. And I think everything might be different. It would be, it would be so fun if the Sixers were confident. It, it would, would be, be fun. Imagine that series <laughs> against the Heat. Oh, oh my, God. my God. It, it been would have been so good. I, I have a bad, I don't, I don't, I kind of shudder to think we've seen bad playoff hard in. I think it only gets worse with Jimmy thrown into the equation, but. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Jimmy. But you know, here and there, we've seen bad playoff Bam. Yeah. And I think against Joel Embiid, that, that would have happened. Potentially been a major, major problem. Um, although I will note, Bad playoff fam did defeat Joel Embiid the previous year. That's true. Back to my heat take. But all right, let's move on to the final two teams. I don't think we need to talk about these teams that much. The Celtics, the Bucks, contenders. Yeah, they are the prime contenders. Right now in Vegas, I think they're the, fa the two favorites of yes. above even so, the Nuggets. Interestingly, as I did this exercise and I came into it with the Eastern Conference, obviously I kind of had like the Heat, the Bucks, the Celtics, Sixers a little bit as like the four teams that I'm like thinking about. I came into it being like it's obviously going to be Milwaukee or Boston. 
I still have those as the top two teams. But the more I thought about it, the less confident I was in both teams. Yeah, I, I mean, I can see that. Uh, I, I'll tell you, I was not super in love with the first glimpses of Damianis in the preseason. Of course, that's preseason. But, I mean, I got to say, I am, I am a real believer in both of these teams. I think, at the end of the day, what moves the needle for me is top-end talent. They've got, both of these teams have got that in droves, maybe better than any, any other team yeah. in the NBA. Um, the Bucks, they've got the guy. Yeah, They've got Giannis. <laughs> that dude has won the MVP twice. That dude has won a championship for his team. If NBA history tells, I wish I had a button. If NBA history tells us anything, it's, you know who wins championships? People who already won the championship. And Giannis is there. Um, and it really goes down to the Celtics. Is Jalen Brown and Drew Holiday going to be enough from the guard positions to make Jason Tatum be that guy? Let him be that guy. Yeah, I think the Celtics, I, I love the roster. I'm Okay, there's two things that did worry me. I noticed right now their starting lineup is projecting Horford at the four, Zingas at the five. Horford at the four, I know it worked with Robert Williams. It didn't work that well in Philly yeah. with Embiid. Obviously, Philly has its whole litany of issues. The back end, the backcourt around him is so different. So it's a different situation. Obviously, Ben Simmons is on that team. Spacing is weird. I don't know. The, the Porzingis-Horford thing, I like it because it kind of lets them play the same way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Porzingis is going to be good for them. I thought Porzingis... Did you watch any of the first yes, preseason Yes, he looked game? great. He looked great. And, and I realized that we've never really seen Porzingis play in a well-spaced offense before. Yeah. You know, there was the Luka offense where, you know, you know you've got two things to worry about, Porzingis and Luka. And for what it's worth, Porzingis looked really good in the few playoff games that he did play next to Luka. Yes, then, that's true. Of course, the, the injuries teams yeah. and, and the Wizards teams did not have the best spacing. Yeah, with the Celtics, I think obviously last year was a really weird situation with the coaching. Joe Maz comes in. He's kind of a disaster. He also like doesn't have like assistant coaches on the staff. Mm -hmm. So the Celtics were like, let's actually support this guy before we just can him. But the question still remains, Joe Maz, question mark. It's a huge, huge question, question mark. mark. Yeah. Um. And with the Bucks, new coach, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see, but um, they should be there at the end. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm confident in the Bucks. What I'm worried about with the Bucks, though, is like, is Middleton just kind of lingering issues the whole year, and is the supporting cast around Damon Giannis just so so bad that like in a playoff series versus a team like Miami, where it's just like, why is no one able to stop Tyler Hero? It seems like they're going to be really dependent on Malik Beasley, which. Is not where you want to be. I think like that, just to tag back to the whole, you know, trifecta between these three teams, the Bucks, the Celtics, and the Heat, I think that's the one thing as a Heat, you know, fan that kind of makes me oddly confident in the Milwaukee series is like there's a world where we go into it and it's like it's Damon Giannis and it's parts. Mm -hmm. And then the Heat are like, great, bam, and Jimmy. I love this for us. <laughs> Even yeah. though you would say both of those guys are better. Just like if it becomes a street fight, then yeah. you're you're feeling good about yourself. Exactly. Sure. So where do you have these two teams, Milwaukee and Boston, versus each other? Um, I am the slightest bit higher on the Celtics. Same. Because I, I just think there's a bigger area for things to go wrong. You know, it, they, they have more pieces that 
you believe in. I, I think Sam Hauser and Luke Cornett are dudes that you can at least rely on in the regular season. Um, I, I got to see how this Bucks team fits together. I'm, I'm high on them. I think they could easily win the championship. But if they were about to play the series today, I would lean Celtics. What about you? I would lean Celtics as well. When the Dame trade first happened, I was pretty pretty Milwaukee heavy. I still think Giannis is going to cause an absolute tear against Porzingis and Horford, but I don't know, man. Like the way the Middleton injury stuff is looking, and like I feel like we might get to a point where we're like, wow, Milwaukee has no talent. Like, yeah, I, like Brooke I mean, Lopez is really old. Brooke Lopez is really old, but he's his game is going to really age well, and he's going to age well um yeah but then you get down to depending on the margin marjan beauchamps of the world yeah and it's like how is that gonna work out it definitely sounds like we're being pessimistic i have the bucks as a contender (laughs) for the record i know i'm being pessimistic and i do have them ahead of the heat in my contender rankings but i think there's definitely cause for concern with these teams i i guess gun to your head west or east wins the wins the championship Ooh, just the fields just the fields I'm gonna go west. I'm also gonna go west. I'm gonna go west. I do feel I feel I feel a lot stronger about my west contenders than my east contenders. I'll definitely say that. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I think they just have more of a resume of being that team and, and well-roundedness. Yeah, well-roundedness yeah. for sure. All right, Patrick, let's wrap up with our west take first <laughs> west take. <laughs> Worst take, best take. So, every Monday, Patrick and I are going to be taking on the best takes of the week that we could find and the worst takes of the week we could find in the NBA media landscape. And every week we're going to decide which is the absolute worst take between the two. And then at the end of the season, we will decide what the worst take of the entire NBA season was. So Patrick, what was your best take this week? My best take of the week. Look, you know, I'm a small market guy. That's, that's me. I, there's nothing I love more than knowing that kids out there from Oklahoma City to Milwaukee are cheering for their, their teams that they, they grew up with. So with that being said, my best take goes to a little man I like to call LeBron James. <laughs> <laughs> because LeBron James finally came out this year, came out this last week, and he said that he is now a Cleveland Browns fan. No more supporting the America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. He's a Cleveland. He's just a kid from Akron. And he is cheering for the Browns, which, of course, they're great this year. Why not? But I love that. You, that, that makes my heart flutter. He's a Browns fan. That's it. It's just a little wholesome take. <laughs> so my best take, going right at you, Pat. So Patrick and I have very differing takes on two teams, if you guys haven't picked up. The Thunder, or who we actually both think are going to be good, and the Timberwolves. So Patrick and I basically have a season-long bet who is going to be better between the Timberwolves for Patrick and the Thunder for me. (laughs) So my best take, Bill Simmons having the Thunder as the fourth-best regular season Western Conference team. I am super high on the Thunder. Chet looks amazing. I'm worried about the shooting. But this team is young. They, I know everyone's day-to-day, so maybe not as young and spry as I thought. But <laughs> I think the Thunder are going to be such a good regular season team. I would not be shocked if they're this year's Kings with like a 48-win season. I see you. I see you. I, you know, I, I don't know what else to say. But the Timberwolves, 
They're going to shut them down on D. That's <laughs> it's just grit, grit, grind, hard defense. That's that's what us over in Minnesota are all about. I think we need to make a bet on the first regular season game. Ooh, that, yes. That let's say the first regular season game that all of the stars play in. That, as as a caveat. Of Timberwolves Thunder? Yes. Okay. If the Timberwolves win, I'll buy a Towns jersey. Okay. And wear it on the show. And if the Thunder win, I'll get a who do you want? Che? Chet? Yeah, you can either Giddy. you can get anybody. Okay. Just get yeah, a Thunder yeah. jersey. Maybe whatever the worst Thunder City jersey is, that's what you have to buy. Ooh, ooh okay. <laughs> the Thunder yeah. have some bad uniforms. They got some bad ones. So what is your worst take? Okay, my worst take of the week is my guy Terrence Mann of the Clippers went on the Theo Pinson podcast this last week. Oh. And he said that the Clippers would have won the finals in 2020 had there not been a pandemic. And that is just nonsense. I feel like, here's the thing. If you're not built to win in the bubble, you weren't built to win a championship exactly. to begin with. Well, we just went over that whole long list of Kawhi Leonard's injured, Paul George's injured, Kawhi Leonard's injured, Paul George's injured. They had a three-month break <laughs> to get healthy during the bubble. Like, you're telling me that if they had to play basketball for two more months in a row, that would have helped Worked this out. team? No way. Yeah, I'm sorry. And here's the other thing, too. If you're the team that's mentally weak to the point that you're like, ah, the bubble, guess what team is going to dominate you in the mental warfare game? The Miami Heat. Exactly. The Miami Heat would have absolutely clobbered a mentally weak team in the finals. Not to mention playing at most seven away games against the Lakers every oh, yeah. single game in the, the Battle LA that never happened. I just, I just and I'm sick of the Clippers, pretenders. Do you, do you remember who their uh, their coach was at the time? Doc Rivers. Uh, our friend Doc Rivers, who is the biggest playoff choking coach in NBA history. Well, so that was my worst take of the week. I think you you stole the show with worst take. So all week, I told myself, you're not going to get upset with ESPN rank. You're Ooh. not going to get upset with ESPN rank. You're not going to get upset with ESPN rank. Patrick, I'm a little upset with ESPN rank. What, where, where'd they hit you? Where'd they hurt you? Okay, Jokic not being number one kind of blows my mind. That is that It feels like bait. It, it, it feels, feels like, like bait. bait. I, I, I just, there's no argument. Yeah, that, I, right I know now. there's the whole, like, Giannis plays both sides of the court. Guess what? The, like Jokic is the best offensive player in the league, and it's not even close right now. Yeah, and he's an like an Iron Man. Like Giannis yeah. just had a back, back injury. Um, I love Giannis. Giannis definitely deserved his number two. Well, he got number one. Yeah. In any other, in a Sans Jokic league, he's number one. Um, that's actually not the one I'm most upset about. Um, You're thought, upset thought, with Westbrook thought, being 94. No, Westbrook <laughs> not there. Uh. KD at seven, I thought was odd with Booker being like 11. I just, yeah. I just, I don't see the statistical, I don't see the single argument for KD being ahead of Booker. I don't know as a Suns fan how you feel about that. Yeah, I, I think in Suns internet culture right now, it's a pretty widely accepted fact that Devin Booker is the best player on the Suns currently. But, you know, it just, these ESPN ranks just feel yeah. like. Wait, I have, I have two more for you. Um, so Harden at 43, originally I was like, this is crazy. When I actually looked at the 42 guys that they had ahead of Harden, there was only one that really stood out to me as I cannot believe this guy is 23 spots better than James Harden. Who was it? Your boy, Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> is, what world 
is I know James Harden is a notorious playoff choker. I know that. He had like two 40-point games against the Celtics. Call me when Carl Towns has a below four foul game in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely rather have James Harden than Carl Anthony Towns, I will say. I, I would actually trade him straight up yeah. uh, for the Timberwolves right now. I, I just, um, I just, Cat at 20 is blowing my mind. Yeah, I mean... Cat is an amazing player. He We've is. never really seen a big be able to shoot with that kind of volume, but there are unquestioned like limitations. Yeah, to and his I don't want to just hate on Cat. Another thing Cat does that's really unique to him, other than the shooting, is driving from the perimeter as a center. He's very unique in that aspect. There's a lot of centers I wish would do that. Yeah, but they don't necessarily have the speed and explosiveness that Cat has. But and I hate, I generally hate talking about like mental fortitude with NBA players because I think all these guys are probably way mentally tougher than me. But bro, Carol Anthony Towns. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, okay. I don't know if you can bring up a Carl Anthony Towns mentality when we are talking about James Harden right now. It okay. At the very least, they should be ranked near each other. Yeah, yeah, they need but to be 40 23 spots higher is insane. Yeah, that's that's pretty wild. That's pretty wild. It's that's so disrespectful to James Harden. <laughs> that's the thing I don't get. He led the league in assists. KD gets this like kind of reputation boost all the way to the seventh spot. And but James Harden, who just led the league in assists <laughs> last year, 43. is like, oh, this dude, we we're not even putting him on the list. Yeah, like Katie at seven, I'm I'm being dramatic. It's not that egregious. It's really oh, not yeah. that egregious. Like, that's why I was kind of like, I can't get mad at this. Like, even the Jokic thing, I was like, Giannis is really, really good. I I can see the argument. But the the hearted cat thing was when I was like, okay, I have to. Yeah, I have to. It's pretty wild. All right. I think that's a good good uh, way to end the first episode of Foul Trouble. Thank you guys for listening, if you're listening all the way through. Um, what do you think of our pretenders contenders list? Um, I had six. Patrick, you had seven. I had seven. Tell us where we're wrong. Tell us in the comments. Thank you guys so much. And we'll see you on Friday. Peace.